What's up, guys? Hannah here with the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast. This week, we've got quite the podcast for you. We brought back power couple Pip and Tracy Paparo to talk about their experiences over the last few months as frontline workers during the COVID pandemic. Pip is a firefighter in New Brunswick, and Tracy is a physician assistant. And on top of that, they've got two boys at home. Pip and Tracy are old friends of Justin and not only do such incredible work for our community, but also articulate their experiences so well. As always, check the show notes for more info on Pip and Tracy. And if you haven't left us a rating or review on iTunes, please go do so. All right, guys, enjoy the show. This is the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast, aimed at helping you live an active and healthy life in and around Somerset and Union County, New Jersey. This podcast is brought to you by Strive to Move, located in Warren and Berkeley Heights. Strive to Move helped active adults in New Jersey get back to doing what they love pain-free. All right, we are live with my good friend Tracy. And I don't know, did I even call you Robert? Is it just Pip and Tracy? It's Pip and Tracy. Totally Pip Pip and Tracy. Pip Paparo and Tracy Paparo. Uh. Um, so you guys are old friends and old guests of our show. You did an individual episode. And just to remind the audience, we have a firefighter and a physician's assistant on the line today. Now we spoke previously pre craziness when the world kind of turned upside down and uh, I'm fascinated for both of you guys. Okay. So we've got a firefighter, we've got a physician's assistant on the front lines and we've got two kids. There's a lot going on. So who wants to start and tell me what the hell life's been like the last four months? Either one. Let's have it. I get to start, I guess, as she said. Go. So yeah, um, what's up? Uh, So yeah, I'm a firefighter. I'm a lieutenant with the City of New Brunswick Fire Department here in central New Jersey. Um, I've been there for 17 years, and this year has been the most interesting, let's call it, to say the least. Especially... The last three months, four months, whatever it's been now. I don't even know where it's been. So when all this stuff happened for you, uh, you know, you're obviously an, uh, an essential worker in every sense of the word. Uh, what kind of happened with the department, protocols, things like that once COVID really hit? I mean, you know, you obviously still have to do your job. So how was that? Yeah, it, it, you know, it's almost hard to remember now, which is kind of weird to say that because it's only been three months. But the beginning was probably the the scariest time in my career. Um, I've been in emergency services 25 years, and right in the beginning when when things started to to really take shape here in New Jersey, you know, when we really realized there was a problem in March, March. there there was a morning I I didn't want to go to work. It was like the first time in my career where I was like, I I don't want to go to work because the unknown, you know, we deal with the unknown every day, and it's why I love my job. But now this unknown was really scary because we couldn't do things the way we were used to doing them. Right. Um, So department protocols were changing hourly. (laughs) I mean, yeah, like we, like I said, we work a 24 hour shift. And in the beginning, when I would come downstairs from my office, the guys would be like, Oh boy, something's going to change because that's what was happening. So we were um, scrambling to get PPE in the beginning, like everyone else. Uh, because yeah, we have structural protective gear, um, for fires, but we didn't have many, uh, gowns, Tyvek suits, N95 respirators. So, 
all right, if we come across someone who's positive or presumptive positive, are we going to wear our structural gear and an SCBA, like a self-contained breathing apparatus? Uh, right. Okay, we can do that. How do we clean that gear? Do we have to do a gross hazmat decon on scene? So the first month or so was just so much unknown, you know, but my department enacted some things very early on that kept our numbers extremely low. Um, yeah, so. I mean, I think the biggest thing, not even just work-wise, like real work-wise where you're interacting with the public, the biggest thing that even bothered you or was the hardest is that camaraderie at the firehouse was affected because you guys had to stay away from each other. So how did that work? What did you guys do? Because you basically sleep there and eat there and all that. <laughs> Truth, very true. So, um, so initially we went to, I think the first thing that came out was uh, masks 24-7. You know, cloth masks or uh, some kind, some some type of face, face covering, twenty four seven. We were all issued N95s um, to have on the rigs with us if we needed them for a call. Um, and then, at the same time as that, it was social distancing. So our kitchen. Uh, I work in a firehouse that could have anyone anywhere from uh, at our lowest. We're usually at seven or eight. And at our highest, we've been at 15 people working in it. Um, and during this time, we had a lot of people working there. I mean, I worked days with 15 people in it. And uh, we took the benches out of our kitchen. So our long kitchen table that we have would have benches that we would sit on. And we went to chairs and there were only four of them in the kitchen. So we started eating in shifts. Um, there were no more um, group training evolutions or group meetings. If we had to have a meeting to be a new policy came out, that was only per company. So four people at a time, as opposed to where we would do it with our entire shift of 25 people at a time. Um, you didn't watch TV together. We didn't watch TV together. Yeah. Social distancing was in full effect, you know, so you lost that, that group camaraderie that we have. Um, one fortunate thing with the station I work in is we all have our own rooms. So you spend a lot of time in your room. Um, and now what happens when you have to get to the truck for a call? So that's it. That's where, you know, you have your mask on and you went in the apparatus and we were together. You know what I mean? But there was no more high fives. There were no more greeting handshakes and hugs like you would see at shift change. Everybody was staying away from each other. So right. you take that in the fire service. It, it, it's kind of like Tracy used the word camaraderie and family. Like it's a family, we're, we're, we're brothers and sisters. We live together, we work together. That got taken away from us. Sure, um, sure. And it was one of the hardest things for I think everyone to deal with. Yeah. Uh, me particularly, you know me, I'm a very active guy. I like to train, I like to get out in the community. We weren't allowed to go out in the community and drive around. Um, and there was a lot of fear that someone would come up to the fire truck who possibly was exposed and just expose us. Um, so I, it got to a point, I called Tracy one day, maybe, I don't know, a month into it or so, whenever April, sometime in April, and I was like, "Hun, i I've spent the past half an hour spinning in my office chair in my desk because I don't know what to do. I can't go train. We can't, uh, even if we, we, we have uh, some gym equipment, you know, it was one person using it at a time. Um, and then we also enacted uh, cleaning. cleaning. Every day we clean the firehouse. So, so things people don't know about America, American fire services, we are our own janitors. Um, so every day the firehouse gets cleaned. Everywhere, every firehouse, you do what we call housework. Uh, 
that went up to four times a day in my department. So we were cleaning the firehouse and we still are cleaning the firehouse multiple times a day with deep cleaning. Um, and you'd be wiping down doorknobs four times a day. And I'm like, how did this get dirty again? No one's probably touched this doorknob, but it was dirty again. <laughs> so yeah, I think it got a little bit better for you when the weather got nicer because then they do have like a little yard that they can go, you know, outside and kind of socially distance, but at least be outside since we know that that is, you know, better than, you know, socializing inside. So it seems like that helped the morale a little bit. What happens like an emergency call? Is it like all COVID protocols out the window? We got to go fight a fire? Uh, well, so for a fire, for sure. You know what I mean? We were, no, we were, the fire awesome was, man. the fire, fire, we wanted fires almost. I don't want to say it this way because you never want to see someone's uh, property burn or anything like that. But a fire would have been really easy because we had our SCBA on Got it. and we went into the fire. Um, it was the medical calls and, and we even, um, when New Jersey, so um, in New Jersey in the first month, uh, in Northern Jersey more, I'm in Central Jersey, but Central Jersey too, we had over 180 FEMA ambulances come through in two shifts from other states that weren't being affected. Um, so we had ambulances from Texas, Kansas, Ohio, Maryland, uh, come to New Jersey to help with the surge of EMS patients. So I was on calls with ambulance crews from Kansas City you know, operating in, in New Jersey. Um, and those were the ones that were the most fearful. So you kept distance from people. Or if we went to, say we went into um, a car accident, I would have my mask on and I'd be talking to the person from six feet away. Right. If you called and said you smelled gas inside your house, when we got to your house, we would ask everyone to leave the residence. Mm -hmm. So everyone would go outside and not stand near us. And then instead of maybe three or four of us going in to investigate, only one or two of us would go in the house. Yeah. Again, with not touching things, um, getting back in the rig, washing our hands, going back to the firehouse, spraying with a, a, an antibacterial type spray on everything that we used. So those changes were really big. Tracy, tell me about your, uh, where, were you, where are you currently working or during, during COVID? What kind of setting are you in? Because I know with a PA, you can be in so many different Yeah, so. I'm a hospitalist for a private internal medicine group, um, and I round at two hospitals in Central Jersey. Um, in the beginning, like Pip said, it was unnerving, you know, um, and the protocols literally changed like every hour. The we we would just get continuous emails like, "Oh no, now you have to do this. Now you have to do that. Oh, uh, this floor is now going to have all the COVID people." uh now we're gonna do this when we admit them um i will say it was like third week of march that things started kind of ramping up at the hospital but now from my perspective it was a little bit different because i'm with a private group it was interesting because both hospitals pretty quickly enacted um a system where if a patient came into the er and was positive and needed to be admitted they were admitted to a specific and uh admit team so, you know, that patient was taken away from you. You know, normally we would admit our own patients. That patient was put on a COVID team administered by one of the, one of the uh, you know, physician groups that worked for the hospital and they had a whole care team, you know, an infectious disease doctor, a pulmonary critical care doctor, an internal medicine doc, and they went to specific floors. So even though I knew our patients who were in the hospital, um, we didn't get to necessarily see them until they were negative. 
which happened, people were either presumed positive and then were negative and given back to us, or people got better, they wound up testing negative, but they still needed to stay in the hospital. You know, from the beginning, this is what I even kept telling Pip from the beginning. I'm like, what the issue is going to be with the hospital overcrowding and how people aren't understanding the overwhelming, uh, the healthcare system being overwhelmed. It's not the sheer number of people, it's the amount of time that these people need to be taken care of. You know, it's not, you get COVID, you need to be admitted to the hospital and I'm discharging you four days later. It's five weeks, six weeks. You know, I had a friend who's younger than me who was hospitalized for seven weeks. Four of those spent in an ICU. Like, that's unheard of. Like, you know, I have a patient in a hospital for 10 days and I have, you know, administration on top of me. Like, why are you not discharging this patient? So, and, but then even without taking care of necessarily COVID patients, there were all these other issues because now I have people in the hospital, you know, elderly folks that can't go home by themselves. So normally I would just send them to a subacute rehab for a couple of weeks. Well, now they're not taking any, you know, at, at, in March, April, even the beginning of May, they weren't taking patients because they were having their own issues. So then what do you do with these people? Um, so it, it was pretty interesting. Um, the unfortunate and maybe fortunate thing is that our census died. It completely crapped out. I mean, there were a couple of weeks where I only had two people in the hospital. Um, so I did a lot of, you know, telephone follow-up with folks, our office, in the beginning of April actually went completely um, remote. So we did all telehealth up until two weeks ago. Um, So, you know, it's definitely been a learning curve. Um, And there was definitely a time, like Pip said, the first couple of weeks were very unnerving and almost scary for us. And, you know, I remember one night him actually saying like, I know how you feel now, because of course, you know, being married to a firefighter, they leave for 24 hours. Like, yeah, you're always that baseline concerned and scared, but it's something that you live with. You know, when my friends say to me, like, don't you get scared? I'm like, no, like whatever, he's going to work. Of course I am. You don't always realize it. It's the first time he's ever been worried about me going to work. Right. You know, um, very quickly we came up with things. You know, I come home from work and this still occurs. I come home from work, I wear scrubs to work every day the same shoes that I've been wearing since March, they stay in the garage. I get naked in my garage. I run up my stairs. I put everything in the wash. I take a shower. And that's been happening since the third week of March. And I don't see it changing anytime soon. Right. Well, I mean, I guess you kind of segued into it already. Um, The two boys at home, both of you guys are going out. Like, I mean, forget it. We'll talk homeschooling later, but just the boy, so so Wait, Finn. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I'm getting yelled at. But I was gonna ask, you know, if both of you guys are in environments that you know you could be exposed and all that. And now you're coming home. Like we, I've heard of people that are saying, "Well, I'm not, I'm not going home. Quarantine." Like, what did you guys do? What did you guys think about it? Like, what happened? We had a conversation about it pretty early on. Yeah. Um, and again, it's the first time in our relationship that the risk has been higher for me than for him. Right. You know, like he said, their EMS calls, they, you know, they, they kind of changed their structure where they didn't go on every EMS call in New Brunswick anymore. Um, So he had a lot less exposure per se. And I was Um, able, I was able to control my exposure a little bit more, let's say, whereas Tracy being inside of the hospital, 
I mean, there were employees in the beginning right. testing positive 10 a day yeah. um, where we were able to, I was able to distance from right. the people I had to deal with for so the most part. We had, you know, a pretty decent conversation, multiple conversations. And this is where I think we started with our, what I now tell everybody, like you have to come up with a calculated risk. Like, what are you willing to accept and not? Um, you know, I had friends that were going home and not sleeping in the bed with their spouse, not seeing their kids. You know, I have friends who sent their kids to live with other family members for six to seven weeks. We sat and talked about it. And, you know, we basically said that we, we will accept that we will be as safe as we can when we're not home and take the risk when we come home, knowing that we're both doing the best that we can. But for things like mental health, you know, our kids' sanity, our family, we decided that we were willing to take that risk as long as we put certain things in place. Yeah. You know, we, we thought about it. We didn't have, we don't have family members that we felt comfortable taking our kids for that long, let alone doing the homeschooling. But our parents are both older. Pip's parents are older than my parents. You know, he has a sister who lives local, but again, she's older. It's yes. not something that I want to put that I wanted to put we were, them at risk for. We were really concerned too when when this we had already been exposed right. by the time right. people realized, right. holy cow, this is happening. I mean, I was at a conference, an EMS and fire conference at the beginning of March, and by the time we got home from that conference, that two people at the conference had tested positive. Not that I, I have no idea if I had any interaction with them. And with, I think in five days of that, one of them had passed away. Right. So we realized too rapidly, like, oh man, who knows what this could be. And we almost made our own insulated bubble. Um, yeah. We, we just saw the kids as like an extension of our contamination. So, I mean, we locked ourselves down in the same respect that we said, okay, we're going to take this risk and at least be exposed to all of us. We made the four of us like a little lockdown bubble. I mean, our kids didn't see their grandparents. They didn't see Aunt Barb, where they saw, you know, their Aunt Barb two, three times a week. You know, they didn't see anybody. The first time they were able to see Aunt Barb was probably nine weeks, eight or nine weeks into this. And that was that distance. A distance with yeah. a mask on, you know, there was lots of FaceTiming. Yeah. Um, and so the boys, you know, they are, to me, they're the champs of this. Yeah. You know, we, Tracy and I realized too, really early on and, and this helped I don't know if it helped so much Tracy I know it helped me and it helped the guys I work with when we realized in a way that we were sort of the lucky ones because we got to still go to work mm. you know we got to still have some outside interaction I, even though it's very it was very different interaction but I'm like god at least I get to see you guys every 72 hours yeah um, where the boys they saw each other <laughs> and they saw us um right. for at least a solid moment yeah no, more than that. Yeah. It was like two months, eight weeks, just about eight weeks. Yeah, until. How old are the boys now? Ten, Ten and seven. seven. So, I mean, from their perspective, you know, they know that dad goes to work and his job is what it is. It's a, it could be a dangerous job. Did they kind of think about that with mom too now or they don't, not there really? So they, we spoke about it. Um, and I think I spoke about it more than Tracy did with them. Um, just because of our schedules, I'm home a lot more with the boys. And, and we yeah. talked about, you know, why mom had to do, you know, come into the garage and we couldn't hug her until after she took a shower. Mm -hmm. um, and, and kind of explaining that I'm still not sure they got the overall yeah. 
they don't the, i don't think they totally comprehend it um just how bad it was maybe right they didn't totally they comprehend know it. that they know there were bad. a lot of sick people you know the the our little one, you know, Declan will, will say, mom, did you, did you take care of some sick people today with that virus? Right. And I say, yeah, you know, there's a lot of sick people. Um, I don't think they totally get it. They know that there's something that has changed their life forever. Yeah. Um, where I think we tried to make the disruption, not less because I do want them to realize the gravity of it, yeah. but I think we tried to make it as tolerable as possible for both of them. Right. Right. You know, what what do you guys think about what like what what happens now? Um, like I, because I talk to people. <laughs> <on> the, <laughs> <ever. What's that? laughs> it's the deepest podcast ever. Now you just went over the edge. <laughs> well, I, you know, every you know part of it is annoying because like everything else, it's become political. Um, but you know, I feel even though I'm in healthcare and all that, like you're so insulated and depending on what you read on that day, like, you know, this statistic says this and this says this and this says this. And now they're talking about what happens in the fall and then do they have sports and how long do we say lockdown? And, and, and so you guys are kind of in it more than, than most see it. Like what, what, what happens? Like, what do you guys think? Cause I mean, no one knows. We, we understand that seems like no one truly knows, but what do you guys think? That's a loaded question. <laughs> Um, let me ask a specific question tracy do you yeah. are you in favor of your boys going back to school in the fall as of today and i know this could change tomorrow but that's the thing it's like because yeah. i yeah. don't have kids and right. some of my friends do and we keep hearing this and then this but like you are in it and are educated yeah. as much as someone can be like what do you think i i've we've gone back and forth about this and we've had heated discussions um yeah as of today you know, June 10th, I think the kids can go back to school. I don't want to say in September, I want to say when the schools are ready. I do think the risk is way bigger to the teachers than to the kids themselves. Um, and I do think I've said, you know, for weeks now that children are way better at listening than adults are. You know, I, I do have to very nicely disagree with people who are like, my kid's not going to wear a mask at school all day. Yes, there are a certain subset of children that will not. You know, our son has some sensory issues, but I will say the few times we have taken them out, because that was their other thing, they haven't been to a store. Like, they noticed that kind of stuff. Yeah. The couple of times that we have gone out or they saw some family members from a distance and had to wear masks, they did really well because they understand the pure intention of it. You know, there is no politics for them. There is no, you know, liberty or death for them. It's just, hey, my parents told me I should do this and they got me a cool mask, so I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Um, so I do think with certain things in place that yes, the kids could go to school. I say that also as a parent who has children in a school district that has prepared, that has been very well prepared. Um, I realize that I may come from a place of privilege where a lot of kids and parents are not sitting in the same position that we are. Sure. I, I recognize that it's a very complicated issue. Right. And this is solely like my personal opinion. Right. Um, my kids will go to school when school says that they're ready to have them back. My kids will be told that they should wear a mask. Mm -hmm. um, and I will expect them to do that every day unless they're outside. Um, the only time I feel that a mask is not necessary is outside. A closed environment should not be, should not not be masked. 
right now. And then, and, I, and, and I'll stave off your, your next question, which is, I don't think that will change until there's a vaccine. So is that, cause I keep asking, cause I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Like I, you, oh, we have to look at the risk and the death rate and vaccine or when we learn more or when this, and, and it's, I, you don't know what to think. And cause my thing is if, if we, in theory, if all of us said, all right, we got three more months, we got to lock down. And after that, we're good. Love's going to go back to normal. But my thing is, does it mean that if we lock down for three months, we're going to stay dormant and then we go back out and we're kind of screwed again. So like, that's kind of where, when the question of like, where does this end? That's like my curiosity of like, is it, is the vaccine the thing? Like, is that what makes us say, all right, now we have a vaccine. In your yeah, opinion, I think right that that's something, yeah, I think that's something we definitely have to work towards. Yeah. Uh, is there a perfect answer? No. Do we have to, again, I think at this point, everything is a calculated risk. It sucks that the government, you know, what people look to to give you answers has not been able to provide that for us. But so you have to make your personal assessment of your calculated risk for your small bubble of family. Um, My decision may not be the same as somebody else. To some extent, I respect everybody's opinions, but certain opinions do have to outweigh others. I, I don't know how to be politically correct about saying that. Science has to win here. And backs up certain opinions more than others. Cause again, it depends on what you, I don't know. Like I'm, I, I like, I'm, I'll tell you politically, I'm very in the middle and I, I can't figure out what the hell to think. <laughs> At least you know that though. I think yeah. that's part of it. Yeah. That's half the battle. If you know that, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think when, when we look at this and we talk about it and things that I've seen from my end, you know, you, you have to understand that there's probably no right answers here. Yeah. People want it to be, it's this way or that way. Well, and but you really know, Justin, science isn't black and white, right? Like, my knee hurts. It could be coming from my hip, right? Mm-hmm. Pip's knee hurts. Maybe it's coming from his yes. foot. Right. Like, it's not black and white. This virus is barely seven months old. Yeah. Like, yeah. We, I mean, flu has been around for a hundred, more than a hundred years, and we still, like, have to adapt our vaccine every year. This has been around for seven months. So that's why when people get frustrated and say like, oh, you know, for example, uh, they're still trying to decide whether it's droplet or airborne. Well, goodness gracious, like it's only been around for seven months. They don't know. They, I mean, I will admit, like I think science honestly doesn't know because this is something that normally takes years and years of research. The unfortunate thing is, is that it's fucking killing people. Like, we can't get a handle on it. it. It's really smart. This virus is really super smart, and we need to respect it. You know, someone, an infectious disease person said to me last week, we just all need to respect the pandemic. And I thought that was, like, the greatest line I had heard in the past few weeks. And I'm like, that's exactly what it deserves. We have to respect it. Do we look at it and say, like, is it realistic to say, all right, we've got, we might not have a legitimate vaccine that works for year two three years and we might have to respect it until then and live as we're living now is that realistic that that could happen yeah i think 18 months to 18 to 24 months of things not you know nothing's going to go back to the way it was before covid right you know it's like pre 9-11 post 9-11 you know uh pre-world war post-world war nothing's going back to pre-covid i think people need to i think that's the biggest hurdle a lot of people need to get over like the question then becomes, how do you make an educated decision on what you're willing to accept? Right. Like I, I, you know, follow college football. So Clemson and South Carolina, 
they went back and a third of their team tested positive. Right. Now, within a third of that team, half of them had no symptoms and the other half had like a, like a cold, like no one was hospitalized. So are we willing to accept that? That's a, is that good? Is that bad that they got infected? Is it good that, okay, they're healthy and they didn't show anything more than cold and no one was hospitalized? Like, I, I don't know what to think with that. It's hard to say that one because you're talking about young, healthy individuals, right? right? And so... So in that subset, right? Because I, right. I don't cut you off, but like, you know, Ohio State, for example, they just stopped all workouts because they had a, a lot of coronavirus cases. But now we're saying like young, healthy people, they got it, but the data says young, healthy people. So I don't know. Like, do we just... Right. Say, do we about it. right. But... Yes, to some extent, is that great that they got it and they're recovering and half of them were asymptomatic? Sure, but who else are they coming in contact with? This is where the problem lies. And, and the problem also lies that, okay, so these people are healthy, they got a cold, they recovered. Do they still feel 100%? You know what I mean? Like, you know, we get, you know, you have a cold, you can have a cold for weeks and then you're still like, Oh, I still feel sluggish. It takes a while until you get back to normal. You know, what's going to happen a year from now when these people now have fibrotic changes in their lungs and they have this chronic cough that they can't get rid of. Are we saying that that's due to COVID? Nobody knows because again, it's brand new. So we don't know the answer. So my personal feeling is we need to err on the side of being more cautious than less cautious. Sometimes, you know, even he thinks I'm a little bit crazy, but I'm interested just because, you know, then we go back to circle back to like the, because in my thing, it's like, all right, if we talk about the schools again, like erring on the side of caution would not be sending them back to school. Generally speaking, right? It's hard to get that many people together with, whether, with, well, with well, precautions. So I use, you know, it's kind of odd. And I don't know, sometimes Tracy doesn't like it when I do this, but like I use my fire department as an example. Uh, there's a hundred of us, let's just say in my fire department, we hover around that number. We had three positive cases, but we took all these precautions very early on yeah. and were very diligent with it and are still diligent with it. And when you talk about like the schools or the sports programs or even what they're doing with professional sports now, like the bubble, like we have an an MMA friend who's in Dubai, Abu Dhabi right now in a total MMA island. (laughs) Yeah. MMA island, right? Is that what it is? Fight island. Yeah. Fight island. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at these things and if we look at like the schools, like, Hey, maybe we have to rethink how the school week looks for our teachers, for our students. And they're, they're talking about this, six week school day yeah. and A and a B, we half the kids at it. No, but, but all these different things, half the kids, you know? So instead of having 20 kids in a classroom, you have 10, yeah. there's cleanings, they're wearing masks. You know, we, we have to look at things totally differently. There can just be like, no, go back. Right. Not today. At least. No, I get it. I get it. Um, Tracy, as far as uh, you you work with mostly older population. Yeah. I mean, the majority of my patients are, elderly i would say over the age of 66 67 i mean i yeah at any given time i mean i can tell you this week uh out of the admitted patients i had between two hospitals i would say my youngest was 74 years old right okay my oldest i think was 96. (laughs) so what do you think about the you know how how we've reopened in like the northeast it seems like you know, at this point, we're doing better than a lot of the other places. Like, and is it something that we should just kind of stay where we are with what's going on? Yeah. Or can we start to kind of like bring people back into a restaurant? At some, or is it like, I, I, I'm, I don't know. Like, I'm curious. 
I mean, I think where we are right now is a good spot. I don't think we should go any further. Um, my one like irritation at this point is traveling. You know, I think it, we should all just stay in our pods. Nobody's going to die if they don't go on vacation this year. Again, yeah. this is my personal feeling. Yeah, I, um, I think we just need to keep our, you know, keep our infection where it is. Like, don't, don't travel outside your little bubble. And again, just like I'm saying, you know, our kids listen to us. I will say, like, the majority of the elderly population, at least that I've come in contact with and talked to other people about, they're scared. I mean, and these are people, I had a man tell me that, you know, he's 97 years old. He's one of my patients that I used to see at home. So I, I, I stopped doing home visits in March because I was still going to the hospital. So I keep in telephone contact with him pretty frequently. You know, yeah. this man was in a world war and he's like, I've never been so scared in my life. He's right. like, I'm not leaving my house. He's like, cause I'm not even leaving to go to the grocery store. Cause I don't want to bring something home to my wife mm -hmm. or myself. These people are scared. So they're, for the most part, behaving. It's the, I really, it's the middle, like, generation of people. It's like the, you know, 20s to 50s, 60s, that it, it seems to be very difficult. You know, sure. those are the patients who are telling me, well, it's no big deal. Like, I just go to the grocery store. Or I, I just went to my friend's house once. And I'm like, but that's all it takes is once. You know, I, I keep saying we have, it's like Pip said in, with small microcosm of his department, right? They've been behaving and they've only had three positive cases. Like we have to be doing something correct. Neither one of us has gotten sick, you know? So me washing my car down when I get in after the hospital, I mean, I wipe it down, I get in, I come home, I get naked, I take a shower. Like I wear a mask without taking it off all day at work, except when I'm sitting someplace in a secluded lounge, six feet away from other people to shovel food in my face at lunchtime for maybe yeah. six point five minutes. You know, something, we have to be doing something correct because we haven't gotten sick. And I was part, you know, I'm part of the Rutgers study where I was tested every two weeks, had antibodies done, you know, still getting tested. And I've been negative the entire time. So something has to be right with what we're doing. Right. You know, I have a friend who's been working in urgent care and swabbing people since the very beginning. They were one of the first places to actually get swabs. Mm -hmm. And they've literally had nobody out in their office. They had massive amounts of PPE from the beginning. They were very well prepared and they've done everything correct. Correct. Yeah. And <laughs> nobody's quotes. gotten sick. Yeah, like, yeah. so something about it is right. It, we, you know, Right. It's so hard to say, right? And that's, I think, what we're saying is nobody knows. And something else, too, in the beginning, um, you know, March, April, that we noticed that in, the, in the fire service was New Brunswick isn't Manhattan, let's say, right. but it's a small city. It's an urban environment. You know, we had Rutgers, J&J. &J. We would be on the road in the engine, and there would be no one else out. I mean, like, and so I worked Hurricane Sandy, um, and Hurricane Sandy – the peak of the storm and right after it was like the eeriest time ever. We had people out, they were trying to clean up. They were, they were, they were kind of hindering us. Let's put it that way. And what we were trying to do. Yeah. Think about like a month of a small urban environment. We barely would see anyone out on the road. Right. Um, and when you look at pictures of New York at that time, Manhattan, just empty streets, right? 
So whatever we did was able to prevent more exposure, prevent more cases from happening. So now we're looking at it in three other states today and the numbers are going up and I've yet to see anything about those states of like nobody on the road. You know what I mean? So if people want to learn from what we did in New Jersey and New York, I think that's the key if they want to learn. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Um, How did, have you seen anything either with either of you because you both might be involved as, you know, people are afraid. They say that, you know, the, the COVID is obviously terrible, but then the, because of what we've had to do, the lockdown, the isolation, have you seen any like mental health stuff, you know, in either of your worlds that has popped up or come, you know, with a vengeance recently? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, patience. Yes, definitely. You know, I definitely worry about a lot of the older folks, like I said, you know, which is why, you know, I have my little phone list that I keep and make some phone calls every week. (laughs) Again, certain people think I'm crazy. Um, But it's more just to be like, hey, are you okay? Are you talking to anybody? You know, put your mask on and just stand outside your your house so you see the outside world for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Healthcare workers, definitely. You know, this this is something that a lot of people have never seen. Um, I mean, we see people die, but the people, especially in the beginning, before we had a good handle on what the hell was happening. And not that we understand all of it now, but in the beginning, it was you were seeing not only your patients die, but then your coworkers were getting sick. And it was like, oh my God, now we're down, you know, five nurses and a doc. And we still have, you know, patients coming in. And the toll for that, I think even now, even though it's slowed down, everyone is still in that like adrenaline rack, like we got to get through this, we got to get through this. And everyone's very supportive. I think over the, over the next coming months and years, that's when it's going to be like, holy crap, you come down off of that high. And it's like, what, what did I just see? You know, I've even told Pip, like, even though I didn't have quote COVID patients at, at one point, it's, you got the regularly sick people that are still dying of other things. Sure these difficult conversations that you have to have with patients and families about, you know, your loved one is dying. Mm -hmm. That was hard enough to do in person for me. And this is something that's like, you know, I, this is a very personal thing to me and something that I advocate for very strongly with end of life and goals of care conversations. Having it in person was something I prided myself on. I'm, I'm good at it. I can speak to families about this, doing it over the phone, whole different monster. You know, it's heartbreaking. It's pain. It's downright painful for the patients and the family doing it over FaceTime, even worse. You know, you got a mask on, you're trying to talk to someone, you're trying to let them see the patient and it's pretty terrible. And even just regular people's mental health, like we said, we, we felt one day we sat and realized like, wow, thank God we get to go out and see people, you know, but like for you, you're sitting home (laughs) like, yeah, you have your wife, but you know, I have a friend who lives in Florida who is single and literally didn't leave his condo for six weeks. I called him every day because I was worried. I was, I was worried. Like there was no, there's no interaction there. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess the next question is at at this point again, and I, I I value your opinion because you know, you, you actually have a relatively, 
straight head on your shoulders, plus you're in medical um, <laughs> family. Where is me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> Can't trust everything. Where are you now with like comfort of, of going out with the kids or going to outdoor restaurants or going to the beach? Like, where are you guys with it? How are you handling it personally? Are you going to a water park. What are you yeah, we're going, to, <laughs> going to a water park and riding on the rides? Like, yeah. um, you know, so I'm going to, I'll take this yeah, one because you, listen, we, we deal with stress at work. We deal with stress at home. This was a whole new level of stress for both of us. And, and we're learning each and every day. Right, and we've taken baby steps um, as to what we're doing is a good way to put it. Um, it started with uh, some some neighbors on our block and socially distancing in our cul-de-sac, um, and the kids would not touch each other; they would just ride their bikes around the cul-de-sac, and we would sit like ten feet apart with some music playing. Yeah, um, and that's now increased to. They come, um, they come into our backyard, you know, we're on our deck, we're still socially distancing as best we can, the kids are in the pool, um, we're not into letting people in our house, yeah. unless there's no one else, like we're not in our house and you come in or we all have masks on or you're just going to no. the bathroom and coming yeah, out yeah. type thing. Yeah. Um, we have hit a few restaurants outdoors. already, outdoors, um, masks on until we sit down. Eating and leaving. And eating and leaving, yeah, is a good way to put it. And and seeing the restaurants too, cleaning. I mean, like you watch a table leave and they're spraying down just like I sprayed down at work and telling the next people you have to wait two or three minutes until it dries. Um, we, I think we feel really comfortable with that. The boys, the boys have both gone to a store for the first, and that was this week. For this the week first for the time. first time, and they went to. And Lowe's. it was because we were stuck, like didn't have anybody to walk. Like we both had to go. <laughs> so we were like, okay, you put a mask on and put your hands in your pockets and you can walk into the store with us. And I mean, Declan was floored. He's like, I haven't been in a store in forever. Lowe's Home, <laughs> Lowe's home Improvement, the Biofossing. And the seven-year-old is like, this is the best day ever. It's like Disneyland in here. Right? But, but again, we're, we're But that's taking, about, that's how. That's where we are. And we're taking yeah. it slow. I'm not going to Great Adventure. I'll tell you right. that much. Right. What about your not having, I don't anticipate having anybody in my house for like, let's say dinner, um, probably for a year. <laughs> what about grandparents? So we have seen them outside. Um, we have not been in their houses. They have not been in our houses. We are, you know, very lucky that we have a large backyard. So we have had the grandparents over. It was our son's 10 year, 10, uh, 10 year old's birthday. So we did have the grandparents over for Cape. Um, again, in the backyard. I feel much better when we're outside. We did not, we have not physically touched our parents. Correct. No hugs, no kisses. In since beyond the story. Or my yeah. sister even. Yeah. Really, anyone. The, yeah. the, the kids, a little they bit They were, the boys, so two weeks ago was the first, um, <laughs> we actually let them sleep over. It's at like prisons, like a contact <laughs> Like, yeah. I, I didn't even realize. But this was a lie. I mean, and Pip will tell you, like, I have been, I will admit, like, I've been a lot, I feel like it's justified, but I know that I have been a lot more cautious than a lot of other people I know. Although I will say I have been just about as cautious as the tribe of friends that I have built. Um, so we did let them sleep at their aunt's house for the first time about uh, two, just about two weeks ago now. And it was, they went there, they actually took their clothes off and took a shower 
and she got, had clean clothes for them. And it, because again, their aunt is in, remember, you know, they're older. Remember too, for the people listening, like, I mean, we may, sound a, little, we may sound a little crazy <laughs> than most people, but remember, we're still being exposed. Right, right. Right, we're still coming home and getting changed in the garage because we don't know what we're being exposed to at work, even taking all the precautions that right. we are. Right. So our fear is that we don't want to infect anyone else. Right. And really early on in this, we have a neighbor from up the block who uh, is now like, I don't know, seven or eight months pregnant. Yeah. But at the time she was maybe like four or five months pregnant and we were in our cul-de-sac <laughs> and she was talking to me while the boys were riding their bikes. And I was a decent distance apart. I honestly don't think this was before they announced six feet as your thing. Yeah. But she <laughs> kept taking a step towards me while we were talking. <laughs> I would take a step backwards. Isn't that a Seinfeld episode? Yeah, dude, it totally is. Justin, I'm not even kidding you. We walked around three quarters of my cul-de-sac of this happening, this dance. And I, I didn't want to say to her, like, stop getting stop near moving. me. Like, I didn't want to scare her and say, like, you know, two days ago I was exposed to a patient at work. I didn't want to say any of that. I just wanted to keep doing my thing. And she finally realized, almost in the full circle of our cul-de-sac, what was happening. Right. And she was like, oh my God, I keep getting closer to you. Know yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, those are things that, that, that we, we take our right. jobs really seriously. Well, we have, but I mean, we have re relaxed, if you want yeah. to say that, a lot We've of things with precautions in place. You know, for example, Declan um, could do, is eligible for extended school year because mm -hmm. he has some special needs. Um, we opted not to do the online extended school year because that was very difficult. Um, but we have a teacher tutoring him. Yeah. Well, then the question became, are we going to do that online? Or are we going to let the teacher come here? And uh, honestly, I'm still uncomfortable with her. I was, I was uncomfortable with the idea of her coming in the house and sitting close to him and in our house more because I feel like we contaminate our house. Right? So we compromised they're outside on our deck twice a week for 45 minutes and it's just her and Declan you know right. nobody else goes out there I clean the table before they sit down I clean everything after they leave she brings her stuff and leaves with her stuff right. you know washes her hands like and I'm comfortable with that yep. um because again it's us being fearful that we may be carrying yeah my guilt is really my guilt is my guilt is definitely there it's my catholic like Catholic school upbringing, you know, raised by nuns guilt. I don't want to be responsible for anybody else having to suffer. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, it's, it's intense because you don't know. <laughs> it, 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 it's intense in a different way. You know what I mean? Like I, we, we both, Tracy came from the ER. I obviously in emergency services have these intense jobs, right? And we just had a fire the other night. It was just like any other fire, it's intense. This was a whole new level of intensity. And it still is, even though, like Tracy said, we are we are way more relaxed than we were three months ago, but we're so much. You know, when we have each other, which was a big thing for us, you know, that's always been a big thing for us. Again, more me being able to have Tracy because of the things that, that occur in my profession. Um, but I totally understand how spouses of police officers, firefighters, paramedics feel. You know, when, when we leave, those days were, it was really rough. And right. yeah, I give them more credit than I ever did before after this. So it's good to be able to relax, but we can't go back to normal. I think that's just what we're waiting on. Right. 
you and now there's gonna be a, there's <laughs> gonna be a storm. tropical storm <laughs> hitting today because why why not you know it's the other day we had hail did you get hail where you were no we're not in the boondocks like you we don't get yeah, so in, in the country here in new jersey hail. At, at two in the afternoon this they were got, almost like golf balls justin it got so bad i told the boys i'm like get the flashlight and go in the basement don't stay near the glass because our our uh, chairs got lifted up. I'm like, what more, 2020? Let's go. Bring it on. Flashlight basement and bring your mask. I have, I have a question for you. How yeah. are you finding it, like, with the office reopened and yeah. having people back? Like, are people respectful? Are people, you know, what? like, what do you... I think for our type of business, you know, we do have some emergencies, but generally speaking, the people that are coming back are the ones that are comfortable. Yeah. Uh, we actually set up an outdoor treatment um, for, and there's only, there's like three people that wanted to do that. We've set up a tent outside. Um, but for the most part, I, I think, you know, the people that are, are scared probably are just going to not come in. Um, yeah. People that are, are comfortable are taking precautions and uh, they're coming in with a mask and, and doing all that type of stuff. And, you know, we, we mask and glove for each patient um and you know sanitize like we like better than we normally but we sanitize regardless but yeah i mean i think you did that well to begin with <laughs> yeah i mean you know our our thing that was nice is based on how our model of, of how we practice it's one-on-one -on -one in a closed environment like there's no open space um patients there are not a lot of people hanging out uh they right. come in they come into the room they go they leave and so uh we generally generally speaking they like 99% of the time they stay in their car. We go out and get them. We bring them in. We bring them in the patient. They finish. They leave. So, um, you know, we don't have any office staff there. We keep them home. Like our marketing person works from home. Lauren works from home. Sometimes if we need front desk, we literally do virtual front desk where we place a computer up and have her. <laughs> it's like Max Headroom stuff, man. <laughs> so we've done that and, and kind of similar to, uh, similar to like you guys were just, we're just trying to take the precautions that we can, but I mean, at the end of the day, we're working with people this close. So yeah. what do you have to do? No, but I think that's the thing right now that we're yeah. seeing in, in Jersey, you know, is, is take the precautions. You know, I say, you're wearing your hat and I can tell you probably have not gotten a haircut yet is my guess looking at it. You <laughs> shake your head no. That's but, why I have a hat. That's why Tracy has a hat on. I, I went back to our town barber shop. And, you know, the boys and I all got haircuts separately and they took all these precautions and it's okay. You know what I mean? Like they took our, te okay, your temperature taken when you go and there's, there's uh, they're wearing a mask and you're wearing a mask and it's, there's no more plastic hanging out. In between. There's plastic in between. There's no more hanging out. You know, you wait outside, but we can do this. You know, everybody just has to work towards being together in this. You know, I've been using, I've used the we over me hashtag on social media for five by five since I can only remember. Yeah. And now it just makes it even more, you know, we have to be we over me to make this. Yeah. Thing. yeah. I mean, I think, I think the, the concern is always that it's a, it's like a silent monster. So you don't know if you're doing the right thing. And even though you're taking precaution, like we are and, and doing that, like, is that fine? Is that not enough? Like, um, should we be doing more? Should we just shut it all down? Like, uh, should we go back? And so right. you kind of, you're, you're, you just don't know. Um, on what to do and and you know in different worlds my me and Dell same thing she works and she's an OT she does in-home care so now she's going back to patients houses and she's you know she's working she's going into their home she's got you know a mat and she's doing the whole thing scrubs but at the same time like we're both 
you know, exposed, just like you guys, kind of similar but different. Um, Her mom works in a hospital, so she's been, you know, there. So all of us have been kind of around it uh, very much. So I, you know, so it's, I don't, you, you just don't really know what to do. And at some point it's just like, you, you kind of get lost in all of it a little bit. So. Right. No, but I agree. I mean, again, I think it's all about, like I said, respecting what is going on. So doing something and respecting it and, and taking the precautions that you can yeah. based on the information that we have, I think is the best thing you can do. Not doing anything just because you're not sure what is correct I have to vehemently disagree with those who want to be over cautious. You know, I still have patients who are like, I'm not coming out of the house. You know, our office opened two weeks ago and there are still some patients that are like, Nope, not going to come. I respect that. Yeah. That's your personal feeling. And that's okay. If that's what you need to do to keep yourself feeling safe, absolutely. Please do that. Um, But just, you know, I don't know, willy nilly, like saying, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. It, it's again, it's that we before me, like, can we just think about some, think about other people as well as yourself? Yeah. I mean, I think the concern that, you know, that I've observed with people that are, are very, very cautious and, and, and respect, like, you know, I'm not telling anyone to go and do anything they don't want to do, but then you start to think about like, is the stress and anxiety that you're yep. causing yourself you know, is what's worse. Like, you know, like people that are like, again, it's a silent, it's silent. So you're like thing looking out, like you've got this thing out there and you're stuck in your house. And then, you know, I don't even want to get into the whole like obesity and uh, not vitamin D discussion. Cause that's a whole other ball. Yeah. But like, what's worse, you know, what, at what point? Cause you know, I think that, you know, my observation of this generally, which it has been the people that generally are more anxious in general, this is just, set them over the edge and it's like man like it's it's hard to watch for some people but again to your point like i respect it i respect that they want to be home but then it's like again what what's worse yeah no i agree no and when when even even like the obesity vitamin d everything i mean you and i we've all met in a gym environment right and now gyms have been closed you know things are starting to open up a little bit here but you know you still needed to take care of yourself during this whole time and do something at home you know whatever yeah. it may be and I'm, I'm sorry that you don't have you can't do a cable crossover in your living room like you may do on your chest day at the gym but yeah. you can definitely grab two bags of flour and do <laughs> crossovers that way if you had to and i've seen yeah. so many great people doing that and seen yeah. so many other people like ah, i'm not doing anything if i can't go yeah, I mean, and to your point, my my friend James, who owns the the gym that we attend, he he said, which I didn't think about. He said, you know, one of my biggest fears is that people are going to get out of the habit. And I and and after he said that, I looked for it, and one of them, um, two people that I referred to his gym, that are no longer doing it, and they're probably not coming back because they were doing well and they lost momentum, and now it's like shit, man. It's like yeah. now they're kind of out of it. It's just like I kind of they lost it, you know, and and that's. When, when I get discouraged thinking about, you know, like what we're talking about now, I, and I tell Pip, like, I have to look at the bright side of like what the pandemic has taught us, you know, the the bright side being, you know, lots of people in the medical community now realize that telehealth can be valuable. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't even, even, you know, Medicare, CMS, like they realized the value of telehealth. People have been talking about this for years as kind of an undercurrent. So that's number one. Number two, you know, 
slowing down and having some more time with the kids and being able to see how they learn. You know, Pip and I realized kind of early on, especially with our son who's dyslexic, like watching him interact with his teachers and seeing how he goes about learning it was eye-opening for us. We would have never seen that if he was going to school every day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because they just, you can't communicate those types of things. Yeah. You know, the fact that, listen, obviously he's totally into working out. I work out because, you know, I have to. When COVID started, partly for my own mental health, it was, shit, man, I'm going to work out because I can prove that I'm not sick, that I'm not short of breath, that I'm not coughing, that my lungs are working. We've hit a workout almost every day that we're home together. We make it a point to work out. Some days we're angry and we're not talking to each other, but we still work out together. Yeah. And it helps us get past some things. Yeah. You know, um, the, the conversations that families are having, the conversations that strangers are having, the tribe that people are building, you really through it. I said from the beginning, like you're going to get to know who your people are. You know, certain people that we may have thought were important or certain things that we thought were important to us are just not going to mean the same anymore. And I have to look on that bright side. You know, I would have never been like, you know, super podcast dude like this one. Like, let's sit down and talk about all this stuff. But I value this now. Like, I was happy when Hannah asked us to do this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I think you know, you don't want to look past like the people that have really been affected by this because it's obviously horrible, but I think it's kind of just part of the deal that if you don't try to get the positive out of it, it's going to be pretty miserable because it's not going away. Right. You know, like it's not, listen, I know, I know someone a few months ago, I said it this morning, someone a few months ago said, oh, when the warm weather comes, it's going to go away because it'll kill it. And we just shook our heads and we're like, that doesn't (laughs) seem smart, but it's not going away you know it was just like at the firehouse look firefighters are some of the most resistant to change individuals in the world i mean like listen if you told me today i could hang on the back of a fire engine and go to a fire outside i would be like yes i'm in i want to do this dangerous thing right and for us there was so much change that we had to go through Mm-hmm. And it wasn't easy, and it's still not easy, but we have to do it because it's not going away, you know, plain and simple. And then new things are still coming out, but yeah. um, we're learning. And I think that that's a big key, too. Like Tracy said with Declan, I mean, homeschooling was something else. That's an easy <laughs> way to put it. And we, again, are very fortunate. Our school district did an amazing job with everything. And we've heard some horror stories. We are not a horror story. Right. But being able to watch the educators work with Declan and, and his dyslexia. I, I looked at Tracy one day and I'm like, we've been doing this reading thing at night wrong the entire time. <laughs> I'm like, we're the worst parents ever. Our kid is never going to get over this because we don't do it this way. And we learn. You know, you had to learn. It's, it's a good lesson for me, you know, who's not a parent yet of like, at, kind of not separating church and state essentially like got to kind of understand that hey are they doing this in school are we doing it at home and kind of don't even think about it right but yeah, until you yeah. yeah. i mean we told the teachers the same thing like yeah we had meetings with his teachers last year and the beginning of this year but a lot of you can't you can't communicate what yeah. happens in that classroom yeah. unless you see it Right. And like, the fact that we saw it and saw how Declan responded to things. I mean, even Finn, like, I don't want to take it away from Finn either. Like, 
he he had seeing him interact with his class and his teachers was amazing too but it's totally different when you have a kid that you just prior to this i just i could not fathom like what he was going through right. and now it's like oh my god like i kind of get it and right. i kind of see what works for him because yeah. at seven he can't tell me but he can show me right yeah yeah cool so i'd be remiss pip for you to at least give us uh the five five tell us about five 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 again just so we can uh promote it a little bit for you sweet man if you were on video i have the new logo new well, logo Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, 555 Fitness is a, a first responder-based not-for-profit. Um, we are all about getting first responders healthier, getting them into fitness. We give out fitness equipment grants. Uh, this year, we're giving out three. Uh, one has already been awarded to a department in Indiana. Um, I don't, when is this going to air, Justin? Um, hopefully within the next two weeks. Okay, well, maybe you'll get it, maybe you're not. But July 22nd, we're announcing our second grant. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see. It's open to any fire, police, or EMS department in the United States. Um, this year was a big year for us. Uh, we've been around seven years now. We've given away over $70,000 worth of fitness equipment. Um, but this year, we added some training to our grants too. And through one of our partners, O2X Human Performance, we're able to give the department a few seats in one of their programs. Um, so it's been pretty amazing. You can each grant is over $12,000 this year. It's our largest award. Uh, thanks to some awesome fitness partners, Brute Force Training, Assault Fitness, O2X, Crossover Symmetry. I'm pretty sure you use a Crossover Symmetry system, right? I, I know about it, yeah. Yep. Yep. Crossover Symmetry has been a huge one. Fit Aid, uh, Hypervolt. They get some of the Hypervolt guns cool. in with that. So um, you can learn more about us, 555fitness.org. We have a free downloadable app, which provides workouts each day. Um, we are on Instagram and Facebook as 555 Fitness, and we, due to COVID, COVID um, one of the ways that we did a lot of outreach was going to shows and departments and things, and obviously that couldn't happen anymore, so uh, we do 555 Fitness Live. Um, it's been every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time where a bunch of us from around the country jump on, and we do a workout together and talk about Kind of like this, just talk about anything we want to. Um, so we're going to start to switch up those days, though, because it's the summer and no one seems to be around on Friday afternoons anymore. <laughs> but it's just a cool experience to do something like this. You know, we got to get Justin on to do a workout with us. They're quick, like 10, 15 minute workouts. It's, it's an, we're evolving. How about that? You know, because this change, I don't know, it was odd. It was very different. Yeah, I mean, learning I, new things. I should have been in uh, three countries. And I think four different states in this time frame mm -hmm. that I have not left New Jersey. <laughs> well, I appreciate both of you guys and I appreciate you guys coming on. I appreciate you sharing your stories and updates and um, we will definitely do this again very soon. Yeah, hopefully Thank we'll you. have some more cool stuff to talk about. Better things like <laughs> college football or uh, something. <laughs> All right, guys, have a good one. Thank Later. you. Thank you for tuning in to the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast brought to you by Strive to Move. If your pain or injury is preventing you from living the healthy and active lifestyle you love and deserve and want to get back to doing what you love pain-free, we offer both a free ebook and free over-the-phone consultation to help you figure out the root cause of your pain and the best next steps to help resolve it. Find our ebooks online at strivetomove.com slash ourservices. There you'll find an ebook for topics on such things as back pain, knee pain, sports injuries, and CrossFit injuries. 
These eBooks will provide you with free expert advice, tips, and exercises to help solve your pain from the comfort of your own home. Just visit strivetomove.com slash our services to download your ebook and have it delivered directly to your inbox. We also offer free, no obligation phone consults with a doctor on staff to New Jersey residents. Just call us at 908-547-0729 or visit us at strivetomove.com and click the talk to the doctor first button on the homepage to schedule a call with us. Thanks again for joining us and we will see you next time on the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast.